Welcome back to Hannah's Homestead Podcast, hosted by myself, Hannah Bailey. I am looking forward to talking to you every episode about something that surrounds homesteading, homeschooling, homemaking, how to do, and all of the hacks that you need and want to know about doing this on a budget. Because really, you don't have to drive yourself into debt or be overwhelmed with getting your farm or homestead and self-sufficiency going. Hi, guys. Welcome back to the episode. If you're listening on the app, you don't see us. If you're on YouTube, you get to see the excitement and all of the energy in real time. So I have two special guests here. I have Ashley and Mark Burton, and I am so excited for you guys to hear their story. There's so much good nuggets that are going to come out of this. So I'm going to mute myself because we all know that I have tons of dogs and kids and a husband and everyone loves to interrupt me whenever I'm doing something. So I will cut back the background noise and let them tell you guys all about what they do, who they are, and what they want to share with you. So we are Mulberry Branch Farm. My name is Ashley and I'm Mark. And we are kind of a a dynamic duo here. Um, Our homestead is is located in East Central Indiana, and our homestead kind of started out just raw land. So we we talked to a lot of people that they have this this dream of getting raw land and building it up to what they've dreamed of, and we've been blessed because we've actually got to do that um, on our homestead. I kind of take care of livestock husbandry and and run the gardens, and he makes sure nothing falls apart. Yeah, one maintenance <laughs> guy around the farm. He makes sure nothing falls apart and that everything goes according to plan or my my plans our plans but um the main focus that we have here is we raise nigerian dwarf um, goats for dairy we have muscovy ducks we do um poultry we have one lone tom we beekeep we have gardens we hunt we forage we do all of the things yeah probably sometimes to um too high of a degree for amateurs when it starts out but we've really enjoyed this lifestyle and um, we're really excited to be here with Hannah because we love to talk and share our story and hopefully encourage a couple of people along the way yep definitely I love that you mentioned that sometimes it gets to be a lot because I often get these comments that are like I don't know how you do it all and I'm like look I drown too but I'm having fun and I'm like, it's fine. I'll come back for air. Like, it'll be okay. I'll be back up in a day or two, but let me just sit here and sink to the bottom for a minute. And Mm -hmm. it really, it's so easy to get, (laughs) it's so easy to get deep into everything, isn't it? You know, all of a sudden you have bees, all of a sudden you have kidding season happening and you're just like, where did this explosion happen? And so since you guys built from Mm -hmm. the ground up, did you guys have a background on either side or did you just kind of dive in and, and go nose diving first like we did? I had a little bit of background, but we just dove right in. We're like, we just need to be self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for us, I know, see, when I grew up, it wasn't called homesteading. Actually, like I didn't even know what homesteading technically was or what niche it was until we started our YouTube journey. Yeah. and. 
I realized like I'd been kind of raised to be a homesteader. We lived back in the woods. My mom loved to take us on plant walks and show us all of the different types of plants and to dig them up, tell them, tell us what it was. And we had a couple of chickens and I know he has a little bit of background as well. Yeah. So the funny thing is we have goats now, of course, and that's uh, pretty much the prominent <laughs> livestock we have on the farm. Yeah. But her growing up, she never had goats. Mm -hmm. I had the goats growing up. Uh, I was in 4-H and we showed them. We had a couple of different breeds. Um, my sister, she's actually a, a just was past the 4-H judging uh, mm -hmm. certification for goats. So the funny thing is goats was more my background mm -hmm. when I was growing up, but she's honestly taken it and run with it. Um, but it was an animal I enjoyed mm -hmm. uh, raising when I was younger. And um, yeah, but that, we both had backgrounds in mm -hmm. um, just living on small farms. Yeah. I mean, we've sort of taken that and pushed it to a higher degree. Like you said, some of the self-sufficiency self pieces of it. Um, mm -hmm. We've recently got into where we're um, butchering our own animals and processing mm -hmm. and then also um, canning, which when we started out, that wasn't really mm -hmm. on the, the game plan. But yeah. Like you said, you sort of get hit the ground running and you just start finding out, hey, there's more things you can learn, you can do mm -hmm. and ways to self-sustain, basically. Mm -hmm. And even though we were both raised kind of with a little bit of a background, like as a kid, you never realize like what your mom, I know for my, for myself, when my mom would be in the garden, I wouldn't really understand a lot of what she was doing. I just knew we were out in the garden and that we were, we were doing all of the things, you know, pulling green beans so that they could can. And it's different though, when you get older and you have your own homestead, you're like, oh, that's what that was about. And this is why they were so stressed. And yeah. This is why all of these things happen. So it's, it's been nice, but I really have to pay a lot of respect to people that go into it with zero background because it is a culture shock. Huge it really curve. is a huge learning curve. It is. Yep. Yeah. For sure. I think there's a lot of, and that's what I want to bring into all of these stories is there's a lot of unknowns and there is a lot that you cannot prepare for. I don't think anyone in Indiana knew how to properly prepare a couple or last week or a couple weeks ago for that negative 35 wind chill. I think we were all just like, what state are mm -hmm. we actually living in? And Mo I was like, what is this? <laughs> and so, and then like it's 60 <laughs> right now and raining yep. and I'm just like, I don't even care anymore. Nothing is real anymore. It doesn't matter. Yep. <laughs> you just go day by day. So it's funny <laughs> that you had mentioned, yeah. you know, there is a lot of stress that comes with it. And how do you process the struggles? So I like to look at things as a joke. Most of the time I'm like, whatever it, it's, that's just what's happening. You know, like our animals, well, we consider them all free ranging and it's wild because they'll get out and I'm just like, you know what? They're not going anywhere. They're just eating right there. So I'm not even going to bother walking away from my project that I'm on because they'll come back. And so mm -hmm. a lot of people panic and they're like, oh, my horse isn't contained or the cow got out. And I'm like, as long as it's not in the road, I don't care anymore. Like, whatever just don't bother the neighbors and we can fix <laughs> fix that section later I am so laid back mm -hmm. about it and a lot of people stress of well what if this happened when I wasn't home and mm -hmm. I, I totally understand so how do you navigate the unknowns or the struggles and the stress and fixing things up because that's just going to happen at the most inconvenient time <laughs> Yeah, so I know for myself, um, one thing I pushed with her and Sorvamoto is just celebrating the little little wins. Mm -hmm. So, like you said, there can be a lot of stresses, a lot of 
overwhelming moments and sometimes just celebrating the small wins. I mean, even if it's just patching the fence, like you said, <laughs> to keep it animal in, just making sure that you celebrate those little wins because there are definitely going to be some losses mm-hmm. coming down the road, but um, you know, taking joy in just the little things. I mean, we're really doing this, this lifestyle as a passion and something we enjoy doing. So mm-hmm. we don't want it to be, become where, you know, it's easy to become so stressed out where it really, you no longer like There's doing no benefit, it and you're just like, yeah. I want to give up and giving those little wins, um, just yeah. help you make it through sometimes those hard weeks, but mm-hmm. you want I, I know like for me specifically, I'm a control freak mm-hmm. and I've always been a control freak, regardless of like how I've been brought up. I like to really control results. And, um, I think when people like myself go into homesteading, it's tough because really, this lifestyle requires you to kind of be in harmony with lots of life forms outside of yourself. And whenever there's something living outside of your own being, control is an illusion. There, mm-hmm. there really is no control. And I think for, for me, it was just realizing I can do my very best and I can try to do the biggest and most best creative thinking and problem solving, but I cannot always see every problem that's on the horizon. And I think once you realize that you have no control you you open up yourself to to embrace that and I mean we're of Christian faith and I know um, some people aren't but for me specifically letting go of control is a faith thing too and realizing this isn't going how I planned but I definitely there's probably a lesson here and I'm going to pull something from it so that the next time a problem not maybe identical but similar I can take something I've learned in this problem and I can apply it later on down the road and realizing that I don't have control allows me to adapt you know yeah and I think another big part is just the partnership between us we have a lot of trust in each other and as Ashley said she has a lot of tr- trouble letting go of things and <laughs> I do I mean her goat knowledge is way surpassed mine even though I grew up with them and everything she's really dove into the medical side of it the care everything and um, you know those hard birthing moments where or things aren't going right and stuff like that she'll get to a point where she's just like I don't want to do whatever and I'm like okay it's okay to call the vet at this point you know like I'll <laughs> yeah. step in and be like it's okay yeah. you know get your extra help maybe it's just getting that surety or just telling them you know hey I just need that extra hand right now yeah. and, and knowing that sometimes you do need those outside resources and that's okay that's what they're there mm-hmm. for I mean we do have a good relationship with our vet which helps a lot she actually shadowed under him for several years but um, having that partnership, I know there's times when I'm working on something and frustrated and she'll come over and just you'd say, Hey, yeah, this may not work. Let's, let's change. walk over here yeah. for a second or let's, let's change plans and make it work mm-hmm. this way. I mean, I can sacrifice a little bit here, but it'll work out in the end. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, we find ways to work through those. <laughs> it's tough though, <laughs> sometimes. I love the way that you two bounce off of one another. There's such a good balance between you and it does it does sting a little with Mm -hmm. pride when you're like, well, I I can't do it all by myself and I have to call the vet or I have to call a neighbor because they're going to be quicker. You know, I know exactly how that is. If I I ran out of penicillin once and I had to call someone, I was like, I'll throw you a $10 bill just for one syringe. Like, I don't even know how much it costs right now, but I don't (laughs) care. And so utilizing those resources, a lot of people, I feel like they don't actually have a good like network community on their road or somewhat locally. And so did, how did mm-hmm. you guys build that up outside of the vet? Because our vet, I like, I'll just call and they'll shoot over um, like whatever it is I need. And I'll just pick it up out of the mailbox on call and then deal with the rest later. 
because they've watched me syringe mm -hmm. and like needle cows and do saline. And so like they, they're, they're like me and you guys with your vet, they're just like, okay, she's got it and <laughs> we'll fix it later. <laughs> and so how did you guys build yeah. your network and community and putting yourselves out there? Because I think a lot of homesteaders, they leave and they sell their farms because it gets overwhelming they don't have a community. Um, there's mm -hmm. a lot of shame and guilt and fail and mentality around failure that they don't yeah. ask other people, how did you fail and overcome it and get to where you are now? Because every single one on my road has failed in some capacity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be completely like brutally honest here. When I first got into goats, like I didn't ask for help. Like I was one of those people where I'm like, no, I'm going to do this myself. And really what it took is having, having it out with my vet. My vet knows how I am because like he said, I shadowed in high school. I thought I wanted to go into veterinary medicine. And he's like, you do know you can call me. And you do know if I don't know a goat question because goats are one of those, those mythical creatures to most vets where they don't really know how to treat them sometimes <laughs> because they're just they're ornery little animals all the way through biologically, all of that jazz. He says, here are some people that I think would be beneficial to you. And I think when someone tells you this person can help you instead of saying, well, how can they help? Just take a step out in faith. Mm -hmm. You know, really it is, it, it, it has to be a step of, of faith to go to someone and say, I need your help, you know? And you, you'd be surprised because when you network with one person, they've gone through the same struggles and they'll network you with three more and those three will turn into nine. And though, you know, it just keeps going and you keep building this web of support. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, people, especially in homestead, because it is self-sufficiency, it is all about, you have to do it on your own. And it can be a very isolating type of life, especially if you've never lived it before, because I know we started this journey. We had our, our child ahead of most of our friends. So we felt isolated in that way. I'm like, I feel like my life is just moving at a different pace than everyone else around me. And it kind of translates that way in homesteading as well, because people don't understand you can't come out um, to the football party because your cow's in labor or mm -hmm. this, these goats have to be milked because if not, I'm going to have mastitis. And then mastitis means like the babies can't drink. And it's more work for me if I don't just stop and do this. I think to find people that share your viewpoint and know how to lift you up. And like, like you said, my husband is a big part of my network. And I, I feel for people when they're like the single homesteaders were like, I do this, but my husband doesn't want to do it. Or my wife doesn't want to do it because that's a whole nother, a whole nother obstacle on top of a life that is filled with uncontrollable obstacles. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's, it's important to on Facebook, you know, social media makes you feel like you're connected. But when you ask questions on social media, you will either have someone who has the heart to help you, or you have someone that will push you down in the dirt and tell you how you're doing everything wrong. And sometimes that's me putting tones to people. You can't really put tones to social media, but I, I see a lot of people reaching out like on goat sites or homesteading sites and, and asking questions. And you have people that are just like, not nice at all, where I just want to be like, don't listen to that person. You know, don't listen to that person because they're struggling too. They just don't want to admit it. You know, they've, they've gone through this struggle too. They just don't want to admit that they didn't have the, 
the ability to ask the stupid question when there is no such thing, especially in homesteading where there are a million different ways to do one thing. There's no set or correct way to do it. Yeah. Um, do you want to add on that? Yeah. I know I kind of like took it and was like, let's go. Cause yeah. I, I really like questions like that about community and connecting and finding your support because this is an isolating lifestyle. Yeah. yeah Cause I think we started young. So when we moved out here, you know, you, we sort of had the mindset of like, oh, we're going to have bonfires with people over because we're out <laughs> in, the, in the country now. We can, you know, have people yeah. over and all that. But then, like she said, your life sort of takes a turn when it's like, <laughs> I have priorities. I've got mm-hmm. this job I got to finish and I just can't get away from and, and mm-hmm. hang out with people and stuff like that. But social media does provide a way to connect. I mean, even though homesteading, you do a lot of old style traditional techniques and, and work and stuff like that I mean there's still social media out there that you can connect to people all over mm-hmm. and we've connected with people in Canada we've have connected with Australia, people in Australia yeah. and it's neat to talk about how theirs is different you don't have to say how oh, I need help or let's connect to just talk about what we're working on like we're talking about what their grow zones look like just all mm-hmm. kinds of different things but one big one that really helped us recently was we went to Homesteaders of America mm-hmm. and getting to meet people face to face have a similar lifestyle mm-hmm. and making friends and connections that way i mean with you know 2020 and everything that happened with that um this you know the homesteader uh, movement. movement has really grown and there's people interested in it and there's more people coming to it i have a friend a childhood friend that recently moved down the road and he's mm-hmm. starting out similar as we are and we sort of like hey if you have issues with any let's know we've been through the, some of the bumps yeah. in the roads and we're <laughs> in the road and we're wanting to help you the best we can mm-hmm. but um, even made, building some of those personal connections. I know there's a lot of meetups out there now, yeah. and I encourage people to go to the, those and meet up with people because it can feel like an isolated, like they say you're in the woods or whatever, you know, out, mm-hmm. out in the middle of in the middle of the boondocks. But going out and meeting people face to face with a similar lifestyle gives you that connection. And mm-hmm. we've met many friends and it, does. it just helps you feel like you have a network there to fall back mm-hmm. on. And yeah. And to speak about conferences, um, I actually helped to um, organize the Indiana Homesteading Conference this year. It was our first annual event. And really, the Homesteaders of America Conference, and just I'll call it a God thing, um, I was reached out to by um, Rhonda Fowler, who um, this was kind of like her brainchild. She wanted to find a way, and she said, I feel like it's got to be this year. So she actually ended up contacting me in September of this year. And we decided we were going to do an event at the end of October. And uh, we really thought maybe like 200 people, maybe. And it grew so fast. It grew incredibly fast yeah, to the point where- Yeah, because we had where, an initial enrollment. Yeah. And it hit that 200 in a couple of days. Overnight. Yeah. <laughs> it hit it yeah. overnight. And um, the reason that we've decided that we wanted to be a part of that is being um, part of a community and putting- faces to names and actually getting to go and sit in a class and have someone who has that experience and may have some credentials or accolades behind them to back up why they should be speaking to you and being able to sit down and focus on someone in front of you on a topic that you're you're passionate about or you have an interest you you don't find that especially as an adult because we don't get to go into classrooms anymore I keep telling my daughter like please enjoy when you're in a classroom because someone is giving you their undivided attention to teach you something. Whereas when you get to be an adult, sometimes you don't get that, that luxury. And I think um, with all these meetups and these movements that you have people that want to invest in one another. And 
that's our main drive for the Indiana um, Homesteading Conference. We're planning for next year already. We already want to make it bigger and better. But really the main drive there is to get a community together so people can network in their regions mm -hmm. so that if I... If someone down my road has a goat problem, call me. I will come to your barn. If you've got a, a doe that has laving issues, I will come to you if you're like within an hour drive from me. But we want to empower people to do that, to network because Facebook only goes so far, you know, and there are people that are isolated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I going back to what Mark said, you know, you get land and then you think you're going to have all your friends come out, do bonfires and hang out. And it is not like that at all. You really, no, yeah. <laughs> you really find out who actually is going to be in the mud with you. I would say some other things, but I'll refrain, <laughs> but they're not out there in it, in the trenches there. I'll use the military terms. They're not out in the trenches and they don't really get it and they don't yeah. care which is why all this networking is so crucial mm -hmm. to not only feel successful or like you're making progress but to have that support because let's face it like most mm -hmm. of our parents actually shifted from the 80s and 90s to like the convenient lifestyle right so they went they had everything in store they yes. didn't, they didn't want to do yes. the depression era style of living because we didn't have to right and now we're like okay but mm -hmm. some people are paying 17 dollars for 18 eggs and that's not okay <laughs> so yeah. let's really see where things are yeah. going and who you can network with because we barter and mm -hmm. trade a lot. I don't know if you guys do a lot of bartering and trading or if you, that is just yep. something that's really growing again. And I think because a lot of people don't want to report <laughs> sales and they don't want to get the government involved any more than they already are, which I am totally for. I'm like, wipe your hands clean yes. of it. <laughs> like I get it. Yep. So what does that look like for you? <laughs> yep. Yes, girl. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I am very right leaning. <laughs> so, <laughs> I won't even yeah. hide it. Yep, we have a black here. flag <laughs> hanging outside of our front porch. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we tend to put on tinfoil hats every now and then too. I am when here it for to, it. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. I, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I have, we do YouTube live sometimes. I'm like, guys, I'm putting my tinfoil hat on yeah. because we're about to talk about something or we're, we're going to a subject where if it hurts your feelings, I'm really sorry, but tinfoil hats going on. Yeah. Every, I always say every day is a new chapter but of revelation. Really, so I we got to get it going. That, I mean, this, <laughs> yes, it, is. it is, it really is. And, you know, I, I know a lot of people are, are waking up, you know, to, to see where there are lots of shortcomings in um, our food system um, within our government. Um, and I, I, I would love to be that glass half full, but I think it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. Yeah. And that honestly is what's pushed us deeper in because the $17 for 18, 18 eggs, yeah. you know, that's, that's ridiculous when I'm selling them for like $5, they're pasture raised. You, there's no like GMO, it's all organic, whatever, you know, that person is interested in, but the more people become free from a grocery store and connected to the land, I feel like it's going to be a snowball effect for 
people being able to find less stress, even though we've talked a lot about how this life can be stressful. I decompress so much when I'm out working with my livestock, when I have dirt underneath of my fingernails, or when I am, I've got sweat on my brow. And then I come in that night and I've got, you know, I've got deer steak that I've, I've hunted and I've foraged and we've got, um, eggs on the side that came from my coop. And I'm going to have a salad because I've got lettuce out in my garden. And I I'm like, I am free. And I feel like that is one of the big things that's pushing people to a more grassroots movement, like self-sufficiency, because people want to be free from fear and fear comes when you have no faith in something. Mm -hmm. And I don't have any faith in our government. So, because I don't have faith in them, I have to find faith somewhere else. Like I said, we're Christians, but I need to find faith in my abilities to be able to feed my family. And that if things go sideways, I'm, and we won't suffer with, there'll be hard times, of course, but it won't be such an on off switch. Like it will be for other people. Mm -hmm. And that's also why we want more people to do this. Cause I'm like, you don't know what it feels like to, to get your hands in the dirt and to just look at everything around and say, it's beautiful. And it was hard work, but I am free. Like I'm, I don't have to worry about going hungry. I don't have to worry about a lot of these things that other people do. I'm free. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, you were talking about some of the government stuff and like that, and it always seemed like it was further out there. You know, well, it doesn't impact me so much in a solo rural community and things like that. Mm -hmm. But then you started seeing shortages of stuff. I mean, even last week we went to go to our local Dollar General to get milk and there was no milk on the shelves. Mm -hmm. Like the milk trucks week behind or behind schedule mm -hmm. and we're just a couple of days out and they don't have milk there mm -hmm. and we didn't have any goats in milk at this time because it's like hitting season I so, failed on that. so we're like man <laughs> we didn't realize it's like oh i have, I have yeah. goat's milk is a major convenience so i think you know the shortages really were eye-opening because that impacts you at a local level you go to the local store and the stuff mm -hmm. you need isn't there but like you said some of the bartering um we did, we have bartered with like eggs and small things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, no, I, I don't think there's anything milk. we bartered with a goat yet. She wouldn't trade anything for a goat, no. I doubt. So as goats are just really? sales, so she could go buy maybe another uh, goat. But I have traded I a kid. Um, um, what was it, he? You probably give her a 10,000 uh, acres to say no. Good. <laughs> That's wild. What's no, that? You have to, you have to trade at least one. Okay. I promise you it's rewarding. I traded this yeah. like nine month buckling i i should have you know i he he, sh he should have left a long time ago mm -hmm. but i traded him for this beautiful mm -hmm. like heavy duty rabbit hutch and it catches i used all these old rabbit uh Ooh, like oh, wow. oh i'll send you a picture when we're off of here i was like this is the best trade ever and so <laughs> i was like yeah. this probably costs like 150 300 somewhere in that range it was it's sturdy and this thing had oh, no yeah. issues i yeah. had th uh two month old rabbits in there and all of them survived last week there was wild right amazing Okay, I'll send you pictures. I was wow. shocked. I was like, this wow. is a blessing. That's awesome. So, totally worth it then. Yeah. You know what? Yep. You've sold me, Hannah. I think this spring, if I have an extra buckling or two, I'll, I'll barter. <laughs> I promise. It's I always the boy. Like, this is what I bartered him for. <laughs> yeah. But one thing. Um, yeah, just the boys, <laughs> not the girls. <laughs> so I can we talked a little bit about bartering, but also as we talked about our Christian faith a bit, my parents actually pastor and mm -hmm. own a church. So we're, we're a big part of that. 
and what our where we've expanded our gardens and we're actually getting more and more produce each year we've learned to grow mm -hmm. different things and we've expanded our growing areas and what that's allowed us to do also is uh, where our church is, is a little bit poor community, we're actually able to bring fresh extra produce we have and offer it to the community yeah. around that wouldn't get it. Yeah. So we do things like that where we'll bring it to church and just have baskets mm -hmm. of, you know, extra carrots, mm -hmm. extra tomatoes to hand the people there. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's even, I'll say, honestly, the bar barter there is the blessing we get rewarded that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it makes us feel good yeah. deep down inside and, mm -hmm. and just seeing that we're offering something to people that probably wouldn't get that yeah um, normally and, yeah. and there's so some glad. older couples there you know that can't garden anymore so I love that yeah. so we, on it on the flip side because our garden did not produce this year um my husband he wanted to do he talked about this when he was out stationed in Virginia mm -hmm. he wanted to create like a produce stand like that for free well our garden did not do well based on where it was located and we learned our lesson but we were reached out by three churches and they, they have their pantries. One's technically only a pantry. And then the other two are churches with pantries mm -hmm. and they all, one connected me to the yeah. other two and it, it just blossomed. And we take everything from Costco, Walmart, Kroger, Sam's club, like all the big stores, whatever they can't hold long-term we fill blessings boxes and we had a free produce stand outside of our house this year. And I was like, isn't that funny how God works when you wanted that vision and you were like, yes. I can't do it myself, but he still provided that opportunity and method. And I was like, wow, Micah's yes. vision really came to life. And now, and we still, we get trailers full and we go around and we hand them out to families and it's just so rewarding. Some of it's not like, you know, the healthiest muffins and stuff, but like, these are families that don't get to splurge and treat themselves yeah. to really anything. Yeah. And it is so rewarding, mm -hmm. but it really does come back tenfold. And then you see things literally just become so bountiful in different areas. Sorry, my dogs, um, just really multiply in ways that you had wanted you know, like six months ago, and then it comes to fruition after you become such a servant of God and you follow his lead and you don't even think twice about it because it's just natural. And like that to you was natural taking these baskets. You're like, we have so much you can't, to be honest, you can't can dehydrate freeze everything. Right. I mean, come on, let's be real. It's so hard. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. it's a lot of work, but yeah. you can pay it forward. And a lot of people just don't have the means because they're working three jobs. You know, I see it all the time. Now people can't mm -hmm. keep up with the cost of living anymore. And, you know, there's us, we can scale mm -hmm. back our work hours because we really are yeah. good disciples now and like that's not to just toot our own horn it, like I'm sure you guys had to fail to get here right I'm sure you guys were sinners in the past like I was and oh, yeah. really yeah. had to oh, fall yeah. on your face and find faith and you have to it's a, a practice you have to do every single day mm -hmm. so can you talk on that on that kind of faith yes. and, and like did it come with um you know developing your farm and homestead or was it right before like what how did your faith grow to this level and and what does that look like so I know for um he was always raised in church yeah I was the heathen 
I was the heathen. I met him when I was 15 and I just figured, well, he's in this whole God thing. So I guess I'll get in the whole God thing too, because, and I, I didn't even know, I didn't realize then that the Lord was already working on me to be equally yoked with him because I didn't, you know, even like at 15, you don't think that that's going to be like your, your person, but he ended up being my person. And, um, you know, my faith really grew once we got our homestead. Um, there's something about building something from, from nothing that takes a lot of faith and throwing yourself in to, to wanting to have life around you flourish at your, at your cost, you know, like at your stress or you're losing sleep and things like that, that it really teaches you on that self-sacrifice. But it, it, like you said, it, it's rewarding because things do come back and fold. And there, there have been times in my life when my faith was at the strong, was at the strongest when I was strong out there on my home. And I'm pointing at my barn. You don't know what I'm pointing <laughs> outside my window, but I'm pointing at my barn right now. But my faith is strongest when I'm in the barn, because that's where I'm very quiet and I'm very inside myself. And I can, I can hear when God is trying to tell me something. That's where all my, my revelations come my from. Yeah. yeah. That's where all my testimonies come from. Um, and I can tell you that there have been a lot of times in my life where I was not being a very good Christian that I was going through that period of, of back being backslidden and just not doing what I was supposed to do. And I did notice that that was the only thing that brought me back a prayer, um, a loving, a loving partner that balances me, but it really took a lot of the land. I found myself just throwing myself into our homestead because God knows that's where I find, I can hear his voice the clearest. Whereas in out in the world, it's really, really hard to hear it sometimes, you know, I, and I feel that a lot as well when I'm out with my goats, because they know my voice outside of everyone else's voice. So when I, when I speak, they all call, they know that I'm talking and I feel like my faith is very identical to that, that when I'm on my homestead, when I'm working in the dirt, when I'm working with my livestock, that's when I can hear God's voice out of all the other voices when he calls and I answer back because I can, I can hear him here. I can't hear him when I'm at work. I try to, cause people test me, <laughs> people test me working with other adults that don't live the same lifestyle and have, um, varying viewpoints or in high stress situation. It, it can really test your faith. Yeah. I know for, I don't know for you. How yeah, I mean, going through this. I think, uh, the part where you just you have a lot of things outside your control like you mentioned last week we had negative 30 you know mm-hmm. we buckled everything up in the barn and at that point we're just sitting there praying that god keeps his hand over everything mm-hmm. in our barn and you know praying a, a shield of protection over everything mm-hmm. so it's a lot of the you know everything being left up to nature you really sometimes don't have you, you have can only surrender. go so far yeah, you have to and then it's out of your hands and that mm-hmm. opens up to prayer for us um, we pray constantly over, you know, our family, mm-hmm. but also our farm and our animals. And um, that just has definitely built our faith, um, having where, hey, things are outside of our control, but mm-hmm. we know who's in control of everything mm-hmm. and we can rely on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're not ashamed to put anointing oil on a sick goat. <laughs> <laughs> We've done That's it. all I can say. <laughs> We get sick livestock. I'm like, and anointing the oil. Oil go a long way. <laughs> like, I can't do this. <laughs> I've done everything I can do with Western medicine and holistics. I can't do anything else. So I'm just going to leave it in his hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's funny you say that too, because I feel like 
a lot of people get impatient as well. And so when you've done everything, but you're not giving it rest, like almost like a Sabbath, if you're not giving it rest, it can't work, right? You can't just overwhelm their system. And if you're stressed, they're stressed. Animals can sense it just like they can sense the weather before we do. You know, one of my cows this morning was like running around like a crazy person and kicking. I'm like, okay, I see the fog rolling (laughs) in. Okay, like, stop. You're going to hit me. (laughs) They just know (laughs) and they're just ready. And so (laughs) I think it's so important. This is not something that can just be developed overnight. Neither of us are generational farmers, really. I mean, we have the knowledge, but we don't, we didn't have the ground. We didn't just get to walk on the farm and take over. And it's so different in that capacity, because I think it's, and I could be wrong, but as an outsider looking in, it looks very different in terms of gratitude and abundance and prosperity you know you can have these big banks back these farms and continue plowing the fields and combining but the reward isn't as as gratifying and people sell it off and i think that's what we're Mm -hmm. going to continue to see a lot of uh, in the future and that's why we need to revert back to small gardens you know like world war ii let's revert back to in your backyard anyone can grow carrots or tomatoes in their backyard they can grow it in the house for all i care you know if you have grow lights if you just take if you take the initiative typically you can do just about anything um and then source everything else you know indiana you can sell up to a thousand chickens and without a license and it's like there are mm-hmm. workarounds and it yep. you can you know buy into ki- uh, cows and pigs not kids cows and pigs <laughs> and and you know get a half <laughs> or a quarter <laughs> of meat but i think it gets so confusing and overwhelming even as a consumer who doesn't have a farm or homestead mm-hmm. so what would you say to those people who want to source their meat better and should they join homesteading groups or ask in their local groups who does xyz you know there's the farmer's market but typically they're only open in the summer and early fall what would you say to someone listening who doesn't know where to Mm -hmm. look so really for me is i would say get in your local groups because you the thing is homesteaders are usually in the homesteading groups because we all homestead and we want to pull information from one another. Someone who wants to locally source their meat might not even know what homesteading is. They might just say, I want ethically sourced meat and I want somebody local. So for me, I'm like, go to your local Facebook groups because even though I'm a homesteader, I am in those groups as well. And I've actually gotten lots of my sales for like um, pet quality because I am licensed for pet quality raw goat's milk. So that's where I find some of those sales. And they're like, I never even knew anybody in this county did that. And I think it's important too that for us as homesteaders, when we're aiding people with, with that, that it's our job to educate because there are some things that, you know, when I have people out, I actually have like new goat owners that are coming out tomorrow to buy a goat. And it will be one of those where it's like, this is, this is the rundown here, the things you need to know. And nine times out of 10, they're just like, I had no idea. I had no idea. I didn't know it was done this way. So for them, like be a part of a local group, but I'm also on the back end of that. If you're the one selling them, your locally sourced 
meats or your ethically sourced meats, let, let within biosecurity, I know biosecurity is an issue, but it is okay to let those people come, come into like your world and to let them see, because sometimes people are, are never going to truly understand what you're doing or the care you put into your animals, unless they can come and see it. YouTube helps with that sometimes, but I'll tell you, I do YouTube videos. I can edit and make anything look the way that I want it to look. It doesn't always mean that it's 100% an honest representation of what's there right at that time. You know, I mean, people see like Instagram and stuff and they're like, oh, this is a wonderful farm. I'm like in the picture, you don't see the blood, sweat and the tears and you don't see the sick animals or you don't see the things that like the one they're showing you what they want you to see. Mm -hmm. So on the back end of saying, telling people, you know, get on your local groups. If, if they wanted to be in a homestead group, that would be awesome. I think they would, I wish more people would do that that didn't know about it that would just come and get with those groups just just to learn mm-hmm. because really the people that don't agree with um you know growing your own animals or they think you know you're doing a disservice by, by raising the chicken just for the egg and I'm like but you don't understand my chicken gets to see grass right my chicken gets to see grass my meat chickens feel grass under their feet mm-hmm. they never they they don't want for anything those little snobby bad words bite me every time I come to feed them or remove them, but I still love them. And I'm like, I want to give you the best life. The entire time that you are here is a representation of what I find worthy. You know, I mean, I, I feel so passionately about that when it comes to people with ethically sourced meat, because sometimes they're like, there is no such thing. Like you don't understand though. You can't, you cannot say that unless you go to these places and, and view it. But that means that we have to be open to letting those types of people right. come and see mm-hmm. and being able to be open to answer their questions. And there are some questions I get where I'm like, you know what? I really don't know. That's a really good, that's a really good question. I'm going to ask around and I'm going to get, I'm going to get that question answered for you, but it's okay to say, I don't know too, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. well, I know how to carousel around these questions and turn them into something <laughs> else. <laughs> I'm sorry. I always <laughs> railroad it. It's true though. A lot of people just assume that chickens, mine have, I have two that are in runs just because these are beautiful um, roosters, one per group of hens. And the only reason I have them in there Mm -hmm. is because they are specialty breeds. And so I want, you know, to incubate certain Mm -hmm. eggs and I have 10 other roosters Mm -hmm. that run around with my other hens in free range, but they all get fed quality food. And Mm -hmm. not only that, I supplement with fruits and veggies. And I think a lot of people just assume like they're, they're in commercial environments. And I'm like, you have no clue. People can, the way that our farm is set up, everything is on display and I hate it slightly, but it also shows the quality and they get to run around and they get to have they're literally I have my guineas they were playing tag all day and I was like can you guys just chill out for five minutes because I'm tired of you guys running between (laughs) my legs and circling me and screaming at one another like I get it that you're having fun Mm -hmm. and playing but chill (laughs) but they get to see that too they're just (laughs) they're like toddlers and and so I think Mm -hmm. it's very stigmatized and a lot of people don't see Mm -hmm. start to finish and they need to because then Mm -hmm. they can human Mm -hmm. I mean honestly most people want to humanize it and put an emotion to it there are so many posts every single day of someone bringing a chicken in to nurture it and 
some of them should be cold because they're too far injured, but they care. And all these people mm-hmm. have yeah. so much compassion and love and emotion deeply rooted in what they do. And I think it's a beautiful thing. And so hopefully mm-hmm. more people open up to the idea of it and really see mm-hmm. that yeah. we're not all, you know, cavemen and yeah, we can butcher and yeah, we can forage, but like, we're not savages. Like we mm-hmm. still can integrate into society every now and then. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I, that's just my, <laughs> my two cents on that. So when you bring people in to mm-hmm. buy a goat or witness how you do things do you do it typically like with your feeding schedule in the morning how do you welcome them in invite them in and educate them really what does that look like so for us it, it really depends because when I'm selling a goat we this is my first year as a serious breeder, <laughs> even though I consider anybody that's selling anything for production or market is serious breeder because you're, you're looking for specific traits that benefit the breed. But I sell Nigerian dwarf dairy goats. We, we compete, we show, we do linear appraisals. We do a lot of milk testing. So some people come for either pets or they're looking for an animal that's well taken care of and that is producing. So I like to bring them in like around milking time. And especially if they're new, it's amazing. Like when I bring someone over, when it's milking time, I'm like, just open the gate. They're like, no, no, I've heard stories about this. You never open the gate. I'm like, no, these are, these are dairy does. They know exactly what they are supposed to do. Just open the gate. Two will come out, close the gate after two come out and they will go right up on the stand. And they're like, like there's no way. I won't blame you. They, they do make a run and, and make me a liar, but then you show them. It's like, they do, they go right in, they go right up on their stands and I close the stanchions. We wipe down udders and I show them how to hand milk or I'm like, and I also have a machine milker. I'm like, you know, I, I can't buy new hands. I can buy a new milk machine. Yeah. Um, and it's just kind of funny to see people react to that because they're like, I didn't know you could train goats to do anything like the, any animal loves routine. We as humans, we love routine and, and our livestock are no different. They thrive on routine and they can do pretty much just about anything you teach them to do. You just yeah. have to, you know, positive reinforcement really helps like food, but to show them that it's like, it doesn't have to be hard, you yeah. know, and here's how you do it. Here's the, and here's how much milk she milked and to take them around and to show them our barns because a lot of people, when they come in for pet goats, they want to see that they've been loved. And honestly, a good representation um, of how an animal has been loved and honored is sometimes where we choose to keep them. You know, I've, we've done rescue goats before mm-hmm. where it was probably shouldn't have spent that much on those goats, but I was not going to leave them where they were at. It was a huge biosecurity hazard before I knew what biosecurity was. And um, to bring someone in and show you, show them those routines because it always turns into a tour. If they're here for a goat, they're going to go back and they're going to look at the bucks and then they're going to go over to the chicken coop and then they're going to go over to the beehives and then they're going to go over to the duck and they're going to say, well, look at this raised guard. And it actually, it turns into like a whole, this is our lifestyle. We don't just do goats. You know, if you, if you want some ducks, you can, well, you want to learn how to to slaughter chickens and and to process, come on over. We'd love to have helping hands on, on slaughter day. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting to watch people 
to watch their eyes open up, Mm -hmm. you know, because I think, especially like those first timers, they don't know what they're getting into. They don't know like what a goat can do or, or the joy that it can bring you just by seeing them go up on, on a routine or to be easily managed. Because sometimes you see people, goats can be ornery. That doesn't mean we don't have our moments where I'm like, I'm selling all of you. I don't want any of you anymore. I'm selling every single one of you. But those, those good moments outweigh the bad. And just to tell them that like, Hey, this doesn't always go this way, but when it does is so nice, you know? So we bring them in around um, feeding time or when we know the animals are going to be the most active because yeah. I feel like that's when people want to see them they don't you know early in the morning I, I milk if I know I've got someone coming I'll push it back and we'll wait yeah. you know or keep or two that I know or are really good and will won't mind a, a new beginner hand milking because there is an art to hand milking a goat it's and it's different from milking a cow so yeah, yeah. and we've had a lot of opportunities especially lately with uh, co-workers coming out mm-hmm. and just seeing our setup that aren't exposed to this <laughs> yeah. at all. And they, they find out, you know, especially through YouTube now and stuff like, oh, you, you do all this stuff on the side. And mm-hmm. um, because honestly, we both work for an insurance company. And before, you know, everything happened, it was in the cubicles all mm-hmm. day long. And now we fortunately have the opportunity to work from home and which is perfect for a farm because <laughs> at lunch now we can go out and, yeah. you know, handle something in the farm mm-hmm. on the farm. That's a quick job. We don't have to wait till we get home, but um, you know, with the coworkers coming out, it's mm-hmm. it's a tour just showing them how everything works. And, yeah. um, you know, we take them through our whole setup, we end up usually showing them the goats, and then they're like, what's over there? And then it goes to the chickens, mm-hmm. ducks, garden, everything. But it, it's neat to see the interest in that mm-hmm. from them. And then, I, I mean, I've had several coworkers all of a sudden pop me up and they're like, hey, I did it, started an indoor garden, mm-hmm. you know, window garden. <laughs> yeah. and then, next thing you know they're doing something else I had one of them pop me up and he's like I bought two acres in a rural area and we're going to just try to do some chickens and in a garden I said awesome congrats Mm -hmm. so um yeah I I feel like sometimes the showing of some of these little things you know can open the door for them to Mm -hmm. encourage them hey you can get started too it's not something that's only delegated to a certain type of person Mm -hmm. you know you just have to have the passion and and willingness to dive into it so and really I love that when you have people that have no prior experience because they have a lot of why. Yeah. And then you get to show how cyclical it all is, where it's like we have the goats, but doesn't it stink to do the poop? I'm like, oh yeah, I mean, but I love their poop yeah. because like they've got cool compost. Well, what's cool compost? Well, there's hot compost, there's cool compost, yeah. which means this can go right into they're like, well, what about the chickens? I'm like, they're a little hot. They're like the ducks, I'm like they're Muscovy ducks. So actually yeah. they could go right in, you know. And yeah. it's just kind of nice to to answer those questions questions you have honeybees you get honey not this year why well they just they needed it but they mm-hmm. pollinated our garden our garden beautiful yeah. they did their job you know they're pollinators yeah. they're not just honey makers so it's it's nice to share it educationally like that yeah and it's funny each yeah. time we end up giving them tours like that it's like each of them come back with something they started mm-hmm. so there was a couple that uh, ashley had worked with before um before she switched positions and they came out and they're like oh, we don't want to do livestock or anything like that but they got interested in our beans. Mm-hmm. So now they've, they've got, got hives and they've started that, which we consider a huge win. You know, mm-hmm. the more beehives out there, we've always encouraged. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, they find sometimes little niches on our property, like, Hey, we could do that on ours. Mm-hmm. And we love hearing that, that when they take that away and are able to start their own. Mm-hmm. That is so awesome. I also glad that you mentioned hot and cold uh, manure because a lot of people, 
think mm-hmm. they just mm-hmm. don't understand. And, you know, I have cows and horses and I just got out of goats aside from one for 4-H and he's, he's towing the line really closely actually, but <laughs> it's because he's a loner and that's, it. that's my fault. I need to throw him back in with the cow. So he chills, but we have rabbits and that's cool compost. Yep. It's really nice and easy to do. And a lot of people don't understand the difference and, and how long things have to sit or they have to be turned over. Mm-hmm. You know, my last um, episode I recorded, yeah. she talked about, she does the deep litter bed method for her chickens. And I'm, that didn't work for us when we did have them cooped up. And then we, you know, mm-hmm. renovated the area. And I was like, this is just not sustainable for our lifestyle. So we just were like, okay, mm-hmm. you guys just live in the trees because you'll be fine. And so you'll, you'll make your way <laughs> under the deck if it gets real bad. But <laughs> I, it's just so, yeah. it's so nice to see how you educate people and like the bees, our bees, we have Italian ones, they mm-hmm. produced honey, but our garden didn't produce. And so I was like, okay, well, you guys also evacuated your hive for some reason. So I'm mm-hmm. taking this and I will save it for later. And so it's funny to see how you know we live on different parts of the state and how different you know the reaction is for animals that we have similar similarly similarly it's late (laughs) i've been talking all day (laughs) (laughs) but so okay (laughs) what is as we like kind of come to an end you know as we hit an hour what are your biggest tips for that you that you actually received? What is a big tip that you received as you came into homesteading and built from the ground up? What are What is some feedback that you heard over that first year or two and that has stuck with you that you want other people to hear or learn from? Because I think people hear it from us, but they don't realize that we heard it from somewhere else too, or we got advice from someone who's seasoned mm-hmm. and it really does shape who we become and what we do on our own homesteads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I'll I'll start off. Uh, um, for me, it was having the right tool for the job. So I know, like, mm-hmm. when I started out, I was like, oh, I can do everything by hand. <laughs> now I know why they have machinery for certain jobs. Um, it's funny because my grandpa uh, worked in machine shop, and he was always one that would build a tool for whatever he was working on. Like he'd have these weird, even on his land, when he would dig, he had some uh, some spots where he would have a high water table. So water would start filling up the holes. And of course that's hard to dig through. So he had like this little contraption with a broom handle and a little coffee can and a rope. And I'm like, you know, I'm younger. I'm like, what are you doing with this thing? You know, and he's like scooping little scoops of water. And then I got older and was trying to dig through some water mm-hmm. and stuff like that and mud. And I'm like, I see I what see. he was doing now. <laughs> so for me, it was definitely having the right tool for the job. And sometimes you know, it does take time to save up for it. You know, some of the tractor implements cost money. So it's like, okay, well, we're going to do the small farm projects where I know I have to dig with postal diggers to get mm-hmm. the fence in. But um, once, you know, my shoulders are tired or we get to a bigger mm-hmm. uh, pasture we want, but then we're going to use an auger or something like that. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, working on a lot of things and starting out just trying to work on things saying I'm going to muscle through it is having the right tool for the job yeah. um even that's led into some of the goat stuff um for her it was a milking machine yeah we started having a lot of goats we were milking and her hands started bothering her yeah. and the unfortunate part of having Nigerian dwarfs is they <laughs> have very small teats I know how to milk because I grew up milking um but 
their teats are so small. I, I, I'm like using one finger to te- try to milk them and I was not very efficient at yeah. it. So she was ended up having to milk them and start bonding their hands. So she got a milk machine and yes, that was a big investment up front, but it ended up having multiple pros to it. So mm-hmm. we found that she was getting her jobs done faster. Her hands were hurting, mm-hmm. not to mention it kept everything um, basically contained through the tubes and into the container where mm-hmm. it was much, a little bit cleaner, honestly, instead mm-hmm. of, you know, have, having an open container you're milking into. Yeah. So for me, it was having the right tools for the job. Is one yeah. Thing. Yeah. I, I would agree with you. I know something that, um, that I was told probably more so by my mom is you don't have to do it all right now. Mm-hmm. Um, um, when we, you know, people think of self-sufficiency and we watch we'll talk about social media. We see YouTube, we see all these things where people are showing us all the things that they do. And we think we have to do all the things right now. And really it's a lot smarter to start off with a couple of, of things that you're really interested in and to learn as much as you can, find your mentors, do your research because all routines take a little bit of time mm-hmm. to get used to. Now that I have a good milking routine, I know that I can, I have, I've got it down pat. I know I have a little more time now. I can add ducks to the mix. And then once I get used to those routines and how it works with the rest of my, my homestead, I can add on a couple more raised garden beds. It, it doesn't all have to be done right now. We all have seasons of our lives. And some of those seasons are to just settle in and learn what it is that you are doing and to find your direction. Because if you jump into everything, you do all the things at one time, Odds are you're going to have three things you're really great at and 20 things where you're like, I hate them. I don't want to do them. And it's because you've overwhelmed yourself. You've set yourself up to fail. And I think if you just take those baby steps, which I have to preach this to myself all the time, because I'm the one that rescued a Ross's goose and said, oh, it's going to be, it's going to be lonely. I'll buy 10 Muscovy ducks. Nowhere to put the Muscovy ducks. No, <laughs> the, the goose was lonely. I needed I needed friends, but I had nowhere to put them. So I, I have definitely learned that lesson the hard way. But that's why I can tell you it's important to have that lesson and to be able to to follow that lesson plan. Because yeah. now that we've mastered a few things, we're in another season of growth. Whereas we had growth and then we had to learn and, and get things down and figure out the routine. And then once you get, I won't say bored but you get used to that amount of stress. You're like, now I can add something else. And it adds to that repertoire and your accolades. And it makes you a better, a better mentor and a better educator. And it makes you, you, you're almost more relatable. You can be very, you you can be that useful tool for someone else. Like Mark said, sometimes your tool on a homestead is your mentor is someone who's done it and can tell you, Hey, I know you want to do this, but you might, you might want to dial back. And we, maybe we need to think about this in a more creative way because you could be overwhelming yourself Yeah, and and it's already overwhelming as it is. Yes. (laughs) And to bounce off what she said also, the baby steps is um, crucial, especially if you're getting into it new. I mean, Mm -hmm. for both of us, we were raised in a country rural area. It's all we've known. Um, we didn't come from, never lived in a city. So for us, it, it's more of this is the lifestyle we know. Mm-hmm. But if you didn't go grow up in this and jump into it, we could definitely see where you could be burned out because you're like, I tried this. It isn't as romantic as it looked from the outside. <laughs> so I'm done with it. Because I yeah. think an eye-opening thing for us, said not being an outsider, just knowing it all of our lives, was when we went to Home Service of America. We went to, um, it was Daniel Salatin, which we mm-hmm. love the Salatins. They have great lots insight knowledge, yeah, and definitely about producing the best out of what you have. Um, and it was like efficiencies on the farm. And we're like, oh, we 
like to learn some of these efficiencies and stuff. We got into it and found out it was very beginner based. We're like, he was talking about, well, buying your land and where to put barns. I'm like, well, we're there already. Mm -hmm. But what was eye opening for us at the beginning of that was, I mean, the barn was pretty full. That's, there's probably over a thousand people yeah. in that barn. And he had people raise their hand that were just bought, not land in the first, in the last nine months. And pretty much, I mean, I'd say about 90% of the people raised their hand. Mm -hmm. It just, that it was, it was neat owners. to see people yeah. getting in. But then he said, I see all your hands, but he said in the next 18 months, I bet 70% 70 70 of you will, will have sold your land Yeah, because the honeymoon phase left that quick. Yeah. And he said that it, they've done studies and stuff like that. And that's where he was getting that number from. It wasn't like he was just saying that because mm -hmm. he felt like, oh, you'd be tired of it. But he said, yeah, and 70%, you, you know, you won't you be have here. Sold. Yeah. So you, you have sold, sold your land in 18 months. So that's because everybody jumps in so fast. Yeah. That's you know, so wild. Yeah, without those baby steps. Yeah. And as we record this, I, I realized this like five hours ago. Today is our second year anniversary of when we closed on our farm. <laughs> and so I was like, whoa, like two oh, years. Oh, congratulations on the anniversary. Awesome. Two years flies by though. You know, you you don't see that it in the day-to-day -day everything. And, you know, there's so much loss that you have to learn through also. But then as you get there, you're like, wow, I have learned so yes. much. I keep saying that I have learned in mm -hmm. two years what most people don't learn in 20 because they're not in it yeah. every day and they don't get it. They're so yes. sheltered. And again, it, it also that. goes back to faith mm -hmm. and like reading scripture. And so I had a question that I'm going to have to think about <laughs> what I was going to ask because it was, it was scripturally. Uh, <laughs> oh, I remember. Okay. Are you guys going to practice the um, land Sabbath? Well, you, you you cut out. Oh, are you guys going to practice the land Sabbath? Right last yeah. second? <laughs> the land Sabbath. Do you know about that? Yeah, isn't that where you let your garden rest like every seven years? Yeah. Yeah. So essentially, yes, but a lot of people confuse it with that you don't forage. You whatever is volunteering, you don't pick, and that's not true. Like you pick what's volunteering, what you what's wild. Um, and a lot of people also don't think about, mm -hmm. well, I've canned for the last six years or I've dehydrated or I've, you know, tucked this all back. So that's something I just was, had my eyes open to the other day. And I was like, wow, that's like really, really impressive. And I didn't even think about that. So is that on your radar at all? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you do have livestock just like we do. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, like I've not heard a lot talked about it, even though like, uh, but that's probably because sometimes I'm a little withdrawn. <laughs> I'm a little withdrawn from things like that. It's interesting. And I like challenges. And I think that would probably be a challenge for us. Yeah. So I like, I'm interested in it. It's not on our radar, but Hannah, you might've put it on our radar. Yeah. But I know a big thing that we do follow is permaculture. And she really got into that a couple of years mm -hmm. ago. And has really pulled me into the the whole everything sort of works in a circle and mm -hmm. you know like you were talking about cold manure hot manure getting all that where you know some of our produce and and mm -hmm. garden vegetables go into animals and then mm -hmm. we get the manure and circle back around yeah um you, we're using like down trees for our garden yeah. beds and and using as in a hugel culture form yeah. so we we do try to basically 
make everything work in a full circle. And that's something where we've been really pushing to do. But yeah. the land Sabbath isn't something we've considered yet, but maybe something we my look into. My interest is peaked. Yeah. So that's maybe what I will say. My into. interest is peaked. We'll have to pick I your brain on that more. more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I was like mind blown because like our first year here, we had a peach tree that I didn't even know what it was. I was like, what is this ugly leaning random tree with (laughs) nothing on it? And then this year it produced the juiciest peaches. And I was like, I'm so glad I didn't cut this down, but it was, you know, it's just one of those things where they come in cycles and you don't realize how much just naturally can occur. And so I was just thinking, well, maybe we should Mm -hmm. practice that. Maybe we'll just be in such abundance by that time anyway, since that is five years down the road for us. You know, there's other farms that aren't at their seventh year. You know, that rotation Mm -hmm. will change. And so I think it gets, you know, like, oh, wow, I don't know if I'm going to do that because that's like, you know, the anxiety starts and you're just like, well, what if I don't have anything prepared or what if the what ifs happen? (laughs) So I, now that anytime I talk to someone of any Christian faith, I'm like, I have to ask, are you doing this? And they're just like, whoa, that you are just insulting the land. And I'm like, am I? Or are they going to produce, is it going to produce more for you? <laughs> I like to just throw these random yeah. challenges yeah. out because it would be a challenge for me too. I'm very big into, you know, yeah. at least a plan. So that would be super hands-off and I'd be like, yeah, I'd be anxious regardless. And then once we yeah. got through it, I'd be fine because we do permaculture as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 That's for the faith steps in though, when we're yeah. like, I don't know if this is going to work. And then you're like, well, if you stand on your faith, maybe it will work out tenfold and, yeah. and you'll yeah. be rewarded. You just have to, you know, faith is blind, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Man, this call was so good. I appreciate you guys being on here. So when is the next conference? <laughs> it shared all the details. Uh, so we, we actually just put out a poll so if you want to keep up with our Indiana homesteading conference, follow us on Facebook um, because we tentatively had set a, a date for September 30th, but then we know that there are people that farm or they've got um, crops that they're pulling in. We know that we have um, people that make a lot of their money off of farmer's markets. So Saturdays are kind of like their money-making days and that we know we have other people that they don't do any of those things. So they're 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 really to learn because they're either starting or it's like, we're not to that farmer's market point yet but we want to be so we, yeah. we want those classes so tentatively it is september 30th and the polls are showing september 30th pretty strong yeah. unless we all of a sudden have like a flood yeah <laughs> but we will be releasing that information as soon as we possibly can yeah, be on because once i get that page. date set i can look at venues and then we can get everything open yeah. and let people start getting tickets because i've i've got a really good feeling the first year was stressful for on an organizer side, it was stressful, but I, I was happy with the product and I just feel like yeah. God's got so much more for it. You know, yeah. I think, I think he wants a lot of people to come, come back to simpler ways. And I honestly, yeah. I feel like the more people connect with their, their land, I almost am like, how can you look at the world around you and plant a seed and watch it grow into something beautiful and to bear fruit. And then you keep seeds from that and see how cyclical it is and not think that there's 
divine creation behind all of it. Yeah. So I, that's my, my push is I, I really, I really feel that. Yeah. But the day is tentatively September 30th. <laughs> it's probably going to stick around that day because we do use a fairground. So some of the buildings mm-hmm. are outside. So as we you know, weather. Indiana weather can be a little crazy, yeah. especially getting in November, December. So uh, yeah, it'll have to be somewhat warmer months. Um, but the amount of <laughs> vendors, I mean, was just unbelievable mm-hmm. that we had the amount of people interested interested we had to stop yeah. at a certain amount this year we hope it's more but yeah it's just so much we learned from it and yeah it was, that it was, was not something I ever thought that I would be called to do because people stress me out yeah and and, and planning things stresses me out so I'm like okay God yeah I guess I'm supposed to get past this fear that mm-hmm. I'm just gonna just gonna do this and I just I hope it, it's I hope that it it does for people what this lifestyle has done for me. I hope mm-hmm. it plants the right seeds for people to feel like they can they can live this life yeah. and that they can stand on their faith and go into the unknown and not have too much fear. Yeah. And I would say for the conference too, um, you know, like if you're even thinking about getting in homes, it's a good introduction and to just seeing what's out there, getting that knowledge up front. And one thing we've been really amazed about starting going to some of these conferences is how many people homestead on just such small spaces yeah. and are able to produce amazing things like yeah. gardens and and everything like they'll have less than a, well less than an acre and the produce they can uh, accumulate off of that is multiple multiple families so and um but i think that's where people need to learn that homesteading yeah. is fluid and that's what the conference is for yeah exactly you know? i love that there's the homesteader patriots of indiana there's another one in april coming up that we just registered for it's in southern indiana oh you guys are fine i've got i've got four dogs barking outside right now i'm like (laughs) so i i they there's so much knowledge there right you know we're on three and a half just under three and a half acres Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of people think they need 40 100 acres like all this land and you just don't they do so there's there's so much knowledge out there and i'm so glad that you guys are literally in Mm -hmm. the in it in the organizing side and the networking there's just so much that you guys provide for others and Thank you guys for coming on here because I know we took an hour and 15 minutes. Like this is so, this call is amazing. I love connecting with you guys and I really hope to have you guys on at a later date too and see how things are going. Thanks for having us. Yeah. We really look forward to talking and sharing with people. So we do that. And I hope Hannah, that I get to see you at the Patriot Homestead Conference. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Hopefully we can get to see each other face to face and talk you know my husband he always says he says you're so personable online and then you go out in public and like people are like I know you and I'm like I don't know who you who you think you know it's not me and I'm like (laughs) so we'll like hit it off great we'll just like hide in the corner and listen and watch (laughs) I love it yeah Yeah. he makes me he makes that your husband will get along with my husband yes mine's a talker and I'm like wrap yeah. it up he's just like no go. person knows you go talk to them be friendly yeah. he's like be friendly be like you are on YouTube and I'm like no, but it's just a lens it's just the right it's right with facial expressions and tone yeah yeah I know I it's controllable right we can control it whereas we can't control what the other yeah. person it is, is going to say <laughs> 
Well, thank you again. Yes. <laughs> that's a that's a good way to tie that in. <laughs>